We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Brian Driscoll. I am your publisher. That is Ryan Roberts, our director of recruiting. And Ryan, this special edition is going to cover the pending decision of Jack Larson, a 2024 tight end, who's going to be making his announcement here very soon. We have the uh, feed ready to roll here in a minute. Uh, Once they get rocking and roll with him, we'll bring it up. But Jack is a 2024 tight end from Charlotte, North Carolina. He goes to Charlotte Catholic High School, uh, talented player, four-star kid. In our view, both of our view, he's ranked as the number 49 player in the country by 247 Sports. We'll get into his rankings because it's a bit interesting. We'll get into that here a little bit too. He is deciding tonight between Notre Dame, Michigan, Clemson, NC State, and, of course, uh, North Carolina, the in-state school. So, Ryan, this is a kid that Notre Dame's had on campus four times in the last year, including most recently at the Irish Invasion standout. So, that's an incredibly talented tight end class, Ryan, but this is a kid that Notre Dame clearly stepped in and identified early as a guy that they really like and really wanted. Yeah, and it looks like a really good tight end group just in general for 2024. We're talking like full class landscape, but yep. I mean, as you, as you said, Brian, they they had a short list and Jack Larson quickly went right near the top yeah. of that list. So let's get they identified in. him quickly. Yep. Let's get in here and let's get the sound on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Was this decision for you? Uh, it was definitely tough. You know, a lot of good programs uh, I've been recruited by. And, um, you know, now I know where I want to be, and I'm excited to, excited to announce it. Jack, not everyone gets the opportunity to go through the recruitment process. How would you describe that process to someone who doesn't necessarily know that much about it? Uh, I would say, I mean, it was awesome uh, at first. You know, obviously the offers were, were great. And um, going to all these different places, uh, it was amazing. Um, but, you know, as, as the process goes on and you, and you go visit schools, uh, you know, you narrow down your list. And, you know, now I'm, I'm uh, kind of, done with my you know recruiting process and i'm ready to you know show the world where i'm gonna go yeah certainly when you get to the end of it you're ready to uh, make that decision and announce it and get it uh, done in behind you uh, when assessing all these schools and all these programs i mean what factors were you looking at specifically uh definitely like education uh, was huge you know place where i can get a good degree um you know obviously the football program uh you know winning excellence and stuff like that and then um somewhere I feel, you know, home and uh, kind of a family environment. And no matter where you go, you're certainly going to get, uh, you know, a lot of good things for in terms of both of uh, the football and the academics. The scouts and the guys who watch you, they talk about your size. They talk about the athletic ability that you have. How would you classify your game? Uh, I would say, you know, definitely receiving. Uh, you know, I can, I can catch the ball really well. Um, I can also block, you know, it's, uh, do everything a tight end can do, and uh, definitely a receiving threat. So, uh, some of the ways. Well, if you're getting some reps on the defensive side of the ball, you probably certainly know about some of that contact in terms of blocking. Is there a guy at that next level that you look up to or try to emulate? Uh, I would say probably George Kittle is the one I watch a lot uh, in the NFL, uh, just because he can kind of do it all. He can block and, and catch, and there's not a, not a lot of weaknesses to his game. Does, does the red hair have anything to do with it as well with Kittle? Maybe a little bit, yeah. 85, <laughs> too, yeah, yes, sir. Jack, how much does uh, family and, and location to home have to do with the decision that you're about to announce? Uh, my family knows everything. Uh, you know, I talk to them a, a ton about it, and uh, we, you know, we assess each school after each visit, and we sat down and talked about it. And um, I would say location, you know, it, it plays a factor, but, you know, it's really wherever I feel is, uh, you know, is best fit for me. Okay, Jack, it's almost time. The next time that we talk to you, it'll be time for you to announce your decision. Sit tight. We'll be back to you shortly. I really, really hate <laughs> the way these things go. I think, I think we had the same reaction. I had to get off the screen. Like, seriously, this yeah. guy's so bad. He needs to stick to hockey. I'm just guessing by his accent that he's more of a hockey guy. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Ryan, let's just kind of do a little backstory on, on, on Jack here as, as they talk about whatever they're going to talk about at, at CBS. We'll bring him back up as soon as uh he's ready to make his decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just actually kind of interesting because in the past we've kind of we, we've kind of said, boy, you know, do you really want to decide this soon? We had a question about it today in the mailbag. But it, it was it was pretty quick. I mean, there's some talented tight ends on the board, but it was pretty quick that Notre Dame really settled in on 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 Jack Larson being that guy. I think other schools did too. Obviously, NC State's been making a hard push for him for a year. North Carolina settled in on him. Clemson, 
I think Clemson kind of got into the mix a little later. They didn't offer him until June. They were recruiting him, but they didn't offer until June. Clemson's also very picky with offers. They just have this thing. That's kind of their thing. So they're usually mm-hmm. late offering kids. But, you know, and then obviously Michigan has been really pushing hard. So th- those five schools have all been really pushing for him. And, you know, look, he's been out and about. I mean, this kid's made a lot of trips to a lot of places. Yep. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see how his recruitment has kind of sped up. It wasn't originally the plan. This wasn't originally his plan was not to commit this early in the process either, because I know we've talked to him before. And that this is kind of a this is kind of a change for him at mm-hmm. this point in time. Yeah, he was a kid. I believe, Ryan, if I remember correctly, the first time I talked to him, I'm pretty sure he said that he didn't want to commit until like next spring or or summer like of his junior year right so it has gotten sped up very quickly I mean I I think that I everything I've talked to Jack I don't think Jack is honestly a big recruiting guy like he doesn't really Mm -hmm. care about it that much like he wants to he's got and I I like the answer of George Kittle right because like George Kittle is kind of a no-nonsense type of dude right like Jack is also gives me that same type of vibe right like he just he wants to play ball and I'm ready to get this over with I'm ready to be done with this exactly you know right yeah, well, I, think, I, to do. I think there's some recruits that use the recruiting vehicle to like go see places, right? Like that's why I get right. the vibes with like Ryan Wingo. And I kind of got the same thing with Jack. It's like Jack was, you know, very happy to go check out other places sure. out and stuff, but it escalated. Once he knew, he knew. Right. Exactly. Right. And like you said, he's very well traveled. Him and his family are very well traveled. So they've seen a lot of different places. And obviously there's a place that we'll find out soon that has sure. made it stick for him. So sure. And I think that's the thing is once you make, once you figure out where you want to be, you know, I, I got respect for kids that say, hey, look, it's time to time to get it over with. And we'll find out where that is. I think as we kind of as we kind of look at it, Ryan, I think that to me, this really boiled down to three schools above the others. I think Notre Dame, NC State. And I would I would probably say Michigan would be the third. But I think you could maybe make a case for North Carolina. But yeah. I, I think those those are the schools that I think are again. I don't see Clemson really being in as part of this final decision. We'll find out. I think the the three that we t- talked about at the beginning were the top ones. Let's actually know they're they're just waving, which means they're going to go to commercial. So, um, <laughs> gotta but, love it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <clears throat> anyway, so you know, I think though when you look at the schools he's looking at, it, it's it's interesting because you know he talked about you know distance. Sounds like distance maybe early on was a factor, but mm-hmm. as they got out, I think this is why it's important to go on these trips is because you kind of get out and you you okay this is what it's like going away this is what it's like going here he's been to Michigan he's been to Notre Dame he's been to some of these other places and you kind of get to see like okay look hop a flight my parents are just a couple hours away on a flight you know if I choose to go to those schools so it is really interesting that you've got the three schools kind of located really close in one group and then you got the two other schools Notre Dame and Michigan kind of located in the other group right. uh, but but all of them that that have a relatively especially in maybe take Maybe take um, what Clemson did recently. I mean, Dwayne Allen, I'd say maybe NC State is, I don't know if they've had like a really strong tight end tradition lately, but North Carolina's produced some really good tight ends lately. Michigan's done a good job of that lately, obviously Notre Dame. And then, and then, you know, Clemson's been kind of hit or miss, but I mean, they've had Dwayne Allen, they've had Jordan Leggett, you know, they've had some guys that have been pretty good players. So they're definitely all schools that want to use the tight end. That's the one thing for sure is they're all schools that would like to feature the tight end in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I think it's easy to use a guy like Jack. I know we'll probably get into his film later, later in this podcast, but he's a guy that is that modern tight end, right? Like he can play out wide. He can play in the slot. He could play in line a little bit. Like he can do a little bit of everything. So I think most offenses could get something out of him. Even if you're a 
more, you know, empty or 11 personnel team. Like you could stick him out there. And I mean, he can play slot in an air raid. <laughs> like he right. could be that, that type of big slot. So right. I think that there's a lot of ways that you obviously can use a Jack Larson for any offense. Yep. yep. And they're getting ready to go to him uh, here in a second. So we'll be ready to pull that up on here soon. So it is going to be interesting to see. One thing I did like too, is he's been to a lot of camps. Mm-hmm. This is a kid that's gone to places not just to visit. He had no reason to work out another name. They didn't pressure him to work out. He just decided he wanted to compete. What time you need and tell us where you've decided to play college football. Can everybody hear? All right. Well, uh, firstly, I, I want to thank God because uh, without him, none of this is uh, ever be possible. Uh, I also want to thank my coaches here at Charlotte Catholic, uh, Coach Christmas and, and Brodowitz, for uh, all they've done throughout this process for me. Um, I want to thank all my teammates. Uh, for helping me become, you know, the best player in person on and off the field, uh, and all my friends for, um, for all the endless love and support. Uh, and finally, I want to thank my family, my mom, my dad, and, uh, and all their support and their sacrifices uh, they made for me. And my mimi, my pa, they're here today, uncles, aunts, cousins. Um, and last but not least, my sister uh, for being my number one fan, biggest supporter. Um, this recruiting process has been amazing. And uh, it's allowed me to meet people and go places I wouldn't wouldn't have otherwise. And uh, that being said, I'm uh, I'm committed. University of Notre Dame. All right, we'll have him. They'll ask him some questions here in a second. Four-star tight end Jack Larson joining the University of Notre Dame, a member of the Fighting Irish in terms of the class of 2024, one of the top prospects in the class, and he is now committed to head to South Bend, Indiana. Jack, what was the deciding factor for choosing the Irish for you? Really, it was the, um, I mean, the education is uh, it's second to none. Um, the tight end excellence, uh, you know, the list goes on and, Really just uh, you know, Catholic, uh, the culture. Um, you know, coming from a Catholic school, it's pretty special. Jack, go ahead. Take your jacket off. It's okay. We got, uh, yeah. we got Sorry time. Take it off. Show off Show yes, off the goods, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> How close was the decision for you? Uh, I would say it was close at first, um, kind of just considering other schools. But, uh, you know, when it came down to it and after my last visit there, it's, it's kind of when I knew, you know, this is where I want to be. And this is where I play college football. How much did new Irish coach Marcus Freeman factor into your choice? Tell me about that that relationship and, and the, the discussions you had with Coach Freeman. Yeah, huge. Uh, I mean, I feel like he's bringing a lot of new energy to the, the program, and uh, I like what he's doing right now. And obviously, you know, Coach Parker, the tight ends coach, is uh, enough and great to me. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. Uh, there was one of the reports that I saw said that you've, you, you've kind of already developed a relationship with uh, one of the quarterback pros- prospects there, C.J. Carr. Yeah, CJ, uh, great quarterback. Um, I like throwing with him up at up at the, uh, the invasion camp in in uh, South Bend a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm excited for the future for sure. Jack, what kind of example are you hoping to be for your teammates and those who come after you? Uh, I would just say, you know, hardworking, um, and always just, you know, never never get too big for you know the occasion, and always just you know stay level headed and uh, you know just do. Yeah, just be who you are. You thank your coaches in your speech before your announcement and, and, and those that have helped you along the way, your family, your friends, in terms of getting to this point. In terms of your coaches, what have they taught you about your game specifically? Uh, really just, um, you know, kind of slowing the game down for me. 
uh, you know, when I first got, you know, to high school and stuff, it was, it was all really quick and kind of just, you know, to, to think, you know, when you're playing and kind of just, uh, you know, just, yeah, kind of slow the game down for yourself. Okay, so now that the decision is made, what's your focus as you head into the new season? Uh, you know, focus on my high school team and get another ring. All right, congratulations, Jack. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, <laughs> that is the uh, presentation on uh, um, <clears throat> CBS Sports. So show show us the goods, Brian. We should get that on yeah. a shirt. Show us That's the goods. so inappropriate. So I know. Inappropriate. <laughs> so. Ryan, obviously, let's talk about Jack Larson. I think, obviously, anyone that's paid attention kind of had an idea what today was going to be about. Uh, this is, I mean, the interest, the fu just funny things that kind of pop in your head. I'm like, where's the kid's red hair? Where did the kids, the both the kids' red hair come from? Like, well, maybe the dad used to be redheaded. He's kind of bald head now. But, uh, you know, and the other thing is his height, too. He's a much taller than his dad, who was at the Irish Invasion camp. But the other thing you see is, you know, he's got a deep voice, but he's got a baby face. I mean, there's still a lot of room for development. He's a kid that's got two years, pardon me, of high school football left. Uh, comes from, obviously, a really strong program. Played as a freshman at Charlotte Catholic, which is a really good program in the state of North Carolina. Had 20 catches for four, over 400 yards as a true freshman. His sophomore, his sophomore season was cut short. I don't know if it was injury. I, I'm still trying to find that out, but I only need to play like five or six games as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. This is a kid that that has a lot of talent. He has a lot of talent and a lot of ability. And, of course, we got a chance to see that up close and personal at the Irish Invasion. So he brings a little bit of a different dynamic to the table, too, than, than you know, building a tight end depth chart is a lot like building a receiver depth chart and a running back depth chart, right? And you don't want a bunch of cookie cutters. And if you look at who they signed in 2024 or 2023, who they got a commitment from anyway, and Cooper Flanagan, a kid like Jack Larson, they're really nice compliments to each other because they bring different things to the table, which makes it easier to play them together. Yeah, yeah. Now he, he's for people that haven't seen his film yet, he's that H back slot kind of detached from the line of scrimmage, and he's just that. I mean, there's plays where he's they're throwing him into the boundary and they're letting him play wide, a true wide receiver. Like this kid is really that modern tight end where you can kind of mm -hmm. use it as a move piece. And I agree like Cooper Flanagan, even with Eli Raritan and Holden stays the, 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 um, the class before that, like mm -hmm. they're a little bit of bigger guys as well. I think he compliments those guys, those players very well. Kane Barong is stylistically a guy that's going to be popping in people's minds a little bit. Cause like size wise, they're pretty similar, but I think the, I think the upside here is tremendous, Brian. Cause honestly, I mean, we're talking about a kid that's in a sophomore in high school. We're talking about a kid that's six, right around six foot three, only 215 pounds right now he isn't undersized in terms of height and length as much it's just that he's a skinny kid right now you right. know like you can easily develop his frame he's going to be yeah. before it's all said and done i wouldn't be surprised if he's 240 245 comfortably like i wouldn't be shocked about that at all and he's already bigger than what he looks like on film that's what i saw from irish invasion he's got a, a pretty we talked about this you know on the show afterwards but he's got a pretty solid lower body mm -hmm. and he's going to fill out nicely like you said i think he's going to be He's going to be a lot like Kane Barong, who's up to 240 plus pounds now. I think I see a very, that's probably of the current players. That's probably the guy whose game and skill set he most resembles is Kane Barong. But, you know, I do like the notion that they're, they're sort of adding players. So let's talk a little bit of backstory here. Uh, mm -hmm. Ryan, if you could just uh, shoot a text and reminder about uh, him. But a little backstory here. Obviously, Notre Dame came into this process looking for at least one tight end in the class. And I think right now one is sort of where they're targeting now. That could maybe obviously that could obviously change moving forward as the roster starts to shake itself out and other things take place. But right now that they're really only certain of taking one tight end in this class. 
And you kind of look at it like, you know, there's Landon Thomas, there's Martavius Collins, there's Brady Priestcorn, there's a lot of really good tight ends on the board. There's the Bettencourt kid from uh, from Illinois who just jumped up in the top 100 by rivals. Very early on, the Notre Dame staff, and it, it wasn't just Jared Parker, who, by the way, is now on the board. This is the first commitment for Jared Parker, by the way, one of the new coaches who had yet to receive a commitment. He now is on the board. And I like the fact that TJ brought up Jared Parker before he was asked about it, you know, just kind of said it. So it was good to hear that that relationship was part of this part of this factor as well. So when you look at where things stand here, it, it really, even though there is interest from a lot, I mean, Brady Priestcorn was an Irish invasion. Betancourt was an Irish invasion. Uh, uh, Martavius Collins has talked a lot in the past about wanting to get up to Notre Dame and visit Notre Dame. There's no need to rush this decision. They could let this sucker play out because they are so loaded at tight end, Ryan. But they decided that it wasn't that they felt they needed to take a tight end now. They just zeroed in on Jack Larson as being the guy that they wanted. And that's the thing you have to understand is this wasn't a, a rush job. This was they watched the kid play, and they said, this is the guy we want. His combination of, of talent, I think fit in, in a lot of different ways, was really what, what sealed the deal and made him the guy that this coaching staff zeroed in on and said, hey, that's the guy that we want. And they really started pushing for him all the way back in April. And mm-hmm. I'll bet you, as I talk to more people, I'll bet you something happened in his relationship with Marcus Freeman that resulted in that too. Because that's something that Coach Freeman's putting a lot of emphasis on early is he meets these kids and if he feels like they not they have to be talented, but he really zeroes in on those talented kids that he also feel like they bring a certain attitude and personality. That's why he loved Ronan Hannafin. That's, I mean, there's been guys like that that he's picked. I really feel like Jack Larson is, is one of those guys that – because. Going into that visit, we knew that they liked him, but mm-hmm. the whole tone of the staff's, you know, and, and all of our sources' conversations about Jack Larson completely changed 180 when he was on campus in April. And I think part of it, too, was he grew a little bit, too. Sure. Yeah. That's now part of it kinda, as well. It, it's the eye test thing, right? Like, it's kind of sizing sizing kids up and making sure they, they kind of check that box. So, I think that as soon as he did, he – one thing about the tight end class that I talked about, Brian, was – you mentioned like Priest Corn and, and Landon Thomas, and it's a really talented group. Jonathan Eccles, even from IMG, is mm-hmm. a kid that yeah. they've offered. But it's he's a, he is a very different player, Jack Larson. Mm-hmm. He's very different than everybody else that's kind of on the board. More, most of them have a little more length, play a little more in line. This kid, I think, again, I think they're valuing the fact that he can do so much, you know, kind of around the formation. Mm-hmm. So. I think that it definitely – the minute that he got on campus, I think that was a game-changer for him. And then I think it really got solidified when he came here to Irish Invasion, right, and got to hang out with guys like C.J. Carr and Cam Williams, who is going to be committing possibly to Notre Dame next week. We'll see kind of what happens with that situation. But I think he really meshes well with the culture and around Notre yeah. Dame. So I think it just makes a lot of sense. I think the point you just made is a good one. Notre Dame has been sold on on Jack Larson for a while. I think what happened in the last month, when you look at especially the Irish invasion, I think that is when Jack Larson was solidified on Notre Dame. I think that is kind of how that one went. This is one where the staff has been really pushing for him for a while. And anytime I talk to different sources about, you know, where, what is your 2000, what's the 20, 2000, the 2024 board look like? And you always hear his name get brought up a lot. 
And so I think that's obviously factored into it as well. But I, I think he's liked Notre Dame a lot. I mean, Notre Dame's always been his leader. But what Jack had said for a while was he wasn't really in a rush to decide. I think it was the visit to Notre Dame in, in, in June that for the Irish invasion that really is what expedited this whole process, even though I felt Notre Dame was in a good position. And one of the questions that we were asked in the chat by Jason Saxon was, how much did Carr committing when he did influence Larson to commit earlier than planned? I think that's a big part of it. I do. I mean, we see this, right? When big-time quarterbacks commit to a school, kids that want to play with a big-time quarterback that are pass catchers tend to say, okay, that's my move. Now, I want to be clear. I, I love the way that Jason phrased this, Ryan, because he doesn't say, did it influence him to commit to Notre Dame? It was more of a timing. I think what CJ committing did, because what I was saying, Ryan, uh, when you had to step away was, I think Notre Dame's been sold on Jack Larson for a while. I think mm-hmm. Notre Dame was Jack's leader. I don't think it was until Irish Invasion that it really like, okay, yes, this is the move. But I also think that CJ committing to Notre Dame also helped him feel better about making the move now as opposed to letting it play out. So I think it was a lot of different yeah. factors that all made it to where the decision he was always going to make was something he was comfortable making now, not mm-hmm. later. Right. Yeah. I, I think that the the reason that Jack Larson is committed is because there's a just absolute love for Notre Dame, Notre Dame football and the staff. And again, she mentioned Coach Parker. They mentioned Coach Freeman. Coach Reese obviously had his hand in this one as well. But I really do think that it was I guess we can call it the cherry on top was the mm-hmm. Irish invasion, right? Being able to work with CJ Carr. It's it's a thing that we've been talking about for a while now, right? It's things snowball when you get a big time quarterback in a class and it's starting to snowball now. So right. it's, it's, I think it was the final cherry on top for him. Right. I just, and I think all the things factored into, and I think the other thing that helps Notre Dame too, is the fact that it is such a talented tight end board. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey man, you know, we got this other kid over here from Illinois that wants an offer. And if he gets an offer, he's going to commit. We got this kid from Michigan that really likes us a lot. You know, I think, I think that's one of those ones where you can maybe use the de- the depth of the board to your advantage. Yeah. You know, if, if a kid – and you only use it if you know that a kid wants to come, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't use it to influence a kid to commit that you don't think he's – it's more of a timing thing. Right. I think that kind of factored into it as, as well. So we, we have a couple super chats here I do want to get to here real quick. Ryan, obviously K. Grant with a super chat. Thank you very, very much for that, K. Grant. We appreciate you. John Banco also has a super chat. Uh, for us there thank you john cw pura my guy haven't seen you in a while hope you're doing very well thank you very much uh with also a super sticker here's a good question ryan because we'll we'll dive into some film here in a little bit uh, sure. after we dive into the film we'll do sort of a what's next type of discussion which won't be super long but we'll talk about that as well but uh, i did get a couple more super chats here matt d thanks for being live this is the only way i get to watch at the moment well we are Glad that we can help you out there, my man, Matt D. DJ Wilson says, just another opportunity to thank IB for all they do. DJ means a lot, man. Really, really, really appreciate that. And then John Benko also asked, uh, who does Larson compare with? And Ryan, I would say if you're going to look at the current roster, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of similarities between him and Kane Barong, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think that one makes a lot of sense. I, I actually liked one that someone put in the chat at some point, Brian. When somebody said Chris Cooley, you remember Chris Cooley that used to play with the Redskins? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of an interesting one, man. Like he was yeah. more like a undersized big, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Big slot, H back type, good hand. I mean, the one thing when we pop on that film, this kid has some great hands, man. Yes. Like really oh, yeah. makes some incredible extensive catches. So 
yeah, I'd like, I kind of like the Chris Cooley. Just think of your H backs in the modern game. Maybe a Jordan Reed that came out of Florida a few years ago, but I really do like that Chris Cooley comparison. That's very interesting. And like you said, the Kane Barong makes one makes a lot of sense for a current Notre Dame player. Right. Cause he's a kid that can play in line, but not mm-hmm. a kid you're going to play in line all the time. Right. You know, a guy that you're going to find ways to move him around and all those type of things. And I think that is again, where that, because Chris Cooley oftentimes in his career was always partnered with another tight end, a more traditional tight end, a lot of yeah, like a bit as well. Yeah, like a bigger blocker. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. So that's that's another aspect of it as well. So you know, Ryan, we, we had a comment from Kenny Moore, and and I just want to bring it up. He said, Wow, this kid's ranking is all over the place. 247 has him as an elite player, he's ranked number 49 in the country. Mm-hmm. While Rivals ranks him as a three-star, hopefully 247 has nailed this. Yeah, on three has him as a three-star as well. Look, I, I think you could say, okay, maybe he's not a top 50 player. I think you can make that argument. I'm not saying I would necessarily go with it or not. I think it's too early to be ranking a lot of these kids. But I, I kind of looked at the 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 tight end stuff, and, and I kind of got a chuckle out of some of these. Like, like look, if you want to rank him, like Rivals has him as number eight tight end in the country, when it's such a deep tight end class like this, you're going to have some disagreements and and with him being more of not a traditional tight end, some people are going to ding him a little bit more. Sure. But if you're the eighth tight end in this class, you better be a flipping four-star player because this Mm -hmm. is a loaded tight end class. And the way I look at it is if you're in the top 10 of this tight end class, you're a four-star player. So some of the stuff in there doesn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, this is another, another in a long line of rankings and on three has him as the 15th best tight end in the country. So Number well, three ESPN, tight end by ESPN, two fours. Yeah. I don't I'm think ESPN, ESPN probably doesn't have them ranked yet. Right? No, I don't. Do they have any sophomores ranked yet? They though? might not. They might not. Yeah. Because they're always be, late to the yeah. game. But yeah. how, how you go from number three tight end by two, four, seven to number 15 and on three is just kind of strange to me. Yeah. That's what this has turned into, right? Like you're seeing this really, really these big gaps among people like where Micah Bell is a borderline top hundred player by two, a definite top hundred player by one, and then not even a top 50 player in his own state by on three. It it is really getting absurd. It really is. But when I look at Jack Larson, I grade him already as a, as a four-star kid and, and creeping up for a sophomore on he's, he's, he's really in that range of that top hundred prospect type of thing. And if it wasn't for his size, it's a no brainer because, as we'll show when we get in the film room, outside of the 6'3", 215, there's a lot to like about this kid. There's no question about it. Agree. So let's get to some more questions here, Ryan. Is we uh, are we good to go, or is that still waiting? Okay, so let's get some let's get to some film then. So let's let's pop into film, and we are going to break down some film. So as we always do when we have these type of shows, we are going to have a film breakdown. So where we kind of give you all a glimpse of just what a kid can do on film. It's just highlight based. So we won't, we won't spend a, I mean, you know, it's again, it's not game film. So there's always more you can learn from game film. There's some game film of him online. If you want to go find it, you can look at it, but we're going to get into this, Ryan. And of course, the first thing you'll notice is he's not the biggest guy. And I would say this, Ryan, he's not a burner like you'd expect. Like he doesn't have necessarily the straight line speed that came wrong brought to the table. But one thing I like about this kid is his overall athletic skill set is really impressive. And even though he doesn't have burner speed, he gets mm-hmm. off the line quickly. Yep. He's very smooth. Very smooth player. This got ruled out of bounds, but he is not happy. <laughs> it, lo- it looks like a catch to me. It's only yeah. one foot in high school. Yeah. I don't, yeah. 
Yeah, I thought I thought he got it down too, but just the extension. This is what I'm saying. This is a six-three kid, but look at the catch radius to go up and get it. Get a, I thought he got a foot down, but he's got really strong hands. We saw this at Irish Invasion as well, too. Ryan is he catches the ball clean. He catches the ball away from his body. Yeah, he tracks the deep ball extremely well, and then you yeah. can see some long speed. Because people are going to talk about the frame, obviously, right? And but the thing that I, I'm impressed with most is nothing gets into his frame. <laughs> like every every he's a hands catcher. Everything's away from his frame, so that just doesn't matter as much right. to me. Again, not a burner per se, but you see the get off is good. I like how he comes off the ball, gets downfield quickly. He's got some really nice athletic traits. Great his concentration down the field too. It's not just about having hands. Like you can have strong hands and not be a great pass catcher when things are contested. You have to have some semblance of really good hand-eye coordination, balance, focus, and some strength. And this kid competes for the football. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Like look at that. He's about to get hit. Doesn't catch it clean, but as he's getting hit, he's still fighting for the ball. It's really good concentration and focus. This is an easy big. This is an easy big slot seam runner right here too. Like he can do all that type of stuff. Yep. He he lines out wide a decent amount in high school in situations like this, and this is really where you see his route running. This particular this is great body control right here. Really yeah. like this play, and that's one thing I, I noticed on film. I don't know if you agree. He's got really good feet. He's really nimble, but he's got really loose hips, and his, yep. which allows his body control to be good. Like he's got a little bit of receiver in him in that regard, in my mm -hmm. opinion, and it allows him to make catches like that. But he has an, a really nice nuance as a as a route runner too. Like he understands how to get open. Yep, he really does. Even right there, like he he could have kept running that drag into that backside defender, but he kind of settles into mm -hmm. that zone a little bit. He starts throttling mm -hmm. down. He's like, I I have space here. I'm in the space, and mm -hmm. easy catch. And the quarterback puts it right where he needs to put it. That's that's a really nice read by the quarterback too. Sure is. This kid's not a bad player. I'd be curious to find out what grade he's in. Like, see if some ACC schools maybe taking a peek at him. Here's here's the one of the routes I was looking at earlier, Ryan. You'll see him just really manipulate. See, he kind of uses a little stutter move to kind of get a read. A lot of times what you're doing in this instance is you're not coming off fast because you're trying to see what this corner's going to do. Because this corner's playing with outside leverage. So you want to find out what he's going to do. Is he going to is he going to square me up? Is he going to sink his hips, which shows me some cover too? You know, what's he going to do? So it allows the corner to dictate. He sees that that guy squats and that allows him to make a move to quickly get outside. Then you see he gets vertical and then gets his eyes up like he's looking in, and then, bam, snaps it back outside, gets himself wide open. He's got this cornerback in knots. This kid just doesn't have a chance. I really like how quick he is, too, and he's explosive, both off the line of scrimmage and out of breaks, too. I, I think that he has a lot of upside as a route runner overall. One thing I noticed from Phil Man at Irish Invasion, there's times when he'll get a little bit choppy, mm -hmm. but when I watch him, it's a, it's a technical thing not an athleticism thing. And what I mean by that is some guys have really tight feet or really tight hips or maybe stiff ankles, or they're just not really super athletes. And it takes them a lot to get in and out of breaks. They just can't do it quickly. Yep. Even here, like he's a little, he's a little choppy. This is a technical thing, but watch him sink his hips here. He has an understanding of what he's doing. He's going to have to work on the technique aspect. His feet are not good. His foot, his footwork, excuse me, is not good here, mm -hmm. but you can even see he, he understands. I got to sink my hips. Right. And then it, once you clean the footwork stuff up, 
he'll be better out of this break and he'll get more separation. But it, this is another example of guys draped all over him and he still catches the football. To quote Zach Martin in the chat, yes, he's a natural plucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to live that one down. <laughs> It's another great field awareness, another strong, tough catch. This ball's got to come out quick. I wonder if somebody, like, at first I was like, why is this in the highlight? Like, why would you put a clear drop in the highlight? Because you see that ball rolling around? Yeah, I thought the I'm same thinking, thing. What are they doing? Like, why would he put – and then I'm like, oh, wait, that's not that ball. <laughs> He's still got the ball in his hands. Long day. <laughs> I, had the same, I had the same idea, yeah. though. And then you get some effort, man. You get some yeah. effort in the run game. He's got some. He's got some toughness to him, Ryan. He does. Yeah. As he gets stronger, he, he'll he compete in the run game. He'll compete in the run game. Again, are you going to have him blocking nine techniques all day? No, you're not. Can he do it in a pinch? Yeah. Can he do it from an H-back and, or a fullback alignment? Heck yes. Absolutely. Absolutely in those instances. Yep. So think uh, if for people out there, think of Tommy Tremble, how he was used. Right. He wasn't really used right. as much in line as he was off the line of scrimmage at right. fullback, that type of deal. Exactly. Exactly. Here's another run game play. Look, that's look, I love the communication here, right? You see him tap his hip. He's letting the back know where the where the, the defense is. That's, a, that's, that's a gonna nice attack the read. That's some strong hips, man. He's got yeah. a little hip torque on him. Mm-hmm. Wonder if he wrestles. It's pretty good hips right there. Love that he keeps his he keeps his eyes downfield. Starts to turn his shoulders a little bit, but he keeps his hips square. So you notice that Ryan, like he his his yeah. shoulders go inside, but his his hips stay square, which allows him to easily come off, get to that second blocker, work as part of that combo, and then he puts that guy on the ground. Yep. Move all. I mean, again, just moves all over. This kid can play. I, I don't see him playing out wide, out like as the number one outside guy a whole lot. I think he's more of a slot type of guy. But there are some definitely some looks where you could put him outside, but you can put him in a slot. You can put him in a wing. You can put him in an H back. And he's got a, he he's tall in that he's you know six three, but he's not too tall to where you can't also maybe use him on some ISO stuff where you're gonna you know motion him and you just kind of put him in a straight you know lead blocking situation. I think is also something you could see him do. Really yeah. like the quickness getting to the outside. He competes really really hard in the run game. I think him outside maybe near the end zone, some like red zone stuff could be interesting. Right. You know, mm-hmm. trying to get that mismatch, and he's really good near near the near the sideline and I imagine he'd be the same kind of in the back of the end zone, which should be interesting. Right. Right. There's, there's a clip, Ryan, and you'll see some of these things. Look how quickly he gets vertical and snaps it off really well. Mm-hmm. He he does a nice job coming level, right? Like he doesn't, he, he, he there's always gonna be a little bit of a drift on this kind of speed cut. This is a speed cut. There's always going to be some kind of drift, but he doesn't really go way upfield. I like to see him bend it back downhill just a little bit once he gets out of that break, but he does a really nice job. And here's another clip too. There's so much, there's so much in this one clip, Ryan. Number one, the get off, really good get off. Number one, speed wise, and then also knowing that I got to work to get a clean release off this end, right? That's number one. Really good stuff right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then the second part is really good vertical stem like that, and it's quick. And then he snaps the speed cut off, real efficient snap of the speed cut, really clean. You see the loose hips on the speed cut. Like to see him work downhill, but then you see the body control. Look how clean and how easy it is for him to flip his hips. This may look easy because he's athletic. For other players, this would look really awkward and clunky. Guys with tighter hips, this is going to look a little clunky. This kid's a really smooth athlete, and you see you see a lot of the things he brings to the table on that one clip right there, Ryan. 
Yeah, and even I mean, even he had to completely flip his flip his hips around to catch that football because mm-hmm. it was the inside of him. The ability to I mean, that's not an easy thing to do when you're running one way and then completely change your direction and still be a hands catcher. It's not right. a, not an easy thing. Right. Another good get off, good double team, working to the second level. You see a lot of that. It, and this is what we saw from Kane Barong early in his career as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw you saw a kid that maybe wasn't the biggest guy, but a guy that puts a lot of effort into the run game. And then as Kane got stronger, he became an even bigger weapon in the run game to the point where you could argue by Kane Barong's senior year, his greatest asset was as a blocker, which yep. says a lot when you consider how good of a pass catcher he was coming out of high school. You're going to have to use his hands a little bit better there to work through some of this trash. That's, that's you know, again, that'll come as a sophomore. One thing I noticed, right, he has, a, I'd say, above average arm length. I don't think he yeah. has elite arm length. That that's what also makes his his body control and his you know the fact that he does have loose hips and can flip his hips so easily mo- so much more important. Because a, a kid that doesn't have really long arms and has tight hips is going to have a very small catch radius, mm-hmm. and that's not the case for him. And it allows him to get off the ground quickly and attack the ball and all. I, I say he doesn't have short arms by any stretch. I mean, I've seen him up close and personal. He has. He has above average arm length. It's not elite. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's okay. It's good. But that's why he needs those other skill sets so much. 100%. Does a nice job. I mean, again, this is, this isn't really, doesn't show a lot of strength, but I do like that he keeps working his feet, shows some really nice nimbleness, some, some really good agility there, kind of working to that outside. Like, like you said, though, the, the key here is that in the run game, he will compete. There's no yep. doubt about that. Yep. Little stock block there. Mm-hmm. That back's got a little bit of juice to him. Oh, man. This he doesn't play with man. a bunch of st- bums. <laughs> this kid's got some good football players on his team. Yeah, I think someone in the chat said this quarterback's a freshman. Wow. This kid's going to be good. You're going to see him do more of this in college, too. Look how quickly. This is another example of how quickly he can flip his hips, Ryan. And this isn't like great technique. But this is just shows athleticism that he can kind of come off and just quickly just turn around, present the quarterback with a target. It, this is when you'll see kids sometimes get lazy mm-hmm. uh, and and kind of let the ball come into their chest. And even here, he just he snatches it. He goes and gets it. I love that. I love that. And now I know why he wears number 85. He was talking about um, George Kittle. George Kittle. So makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. I kind of like when tight ends wear numbers in the eighties. Good for Eli Raritan and all that, but I just I don't know. I just kind of I kind of like that. There's more effort in the run game. If Tyler Eifert was an eighties guy, then any all tight ends should be an eighties guy. <laughs> Michael Mayer's an eighties guy. I got nothing wrong with it. I, I used to love um, I used to love Dallas Clark for another H mm-hmm. back guy, but he wore forty four. Nice feel ever. for this right here, Ryan. A little post curl. He needs to come back to the quarterback a little bit more. But again, you see the quickness, right? You see his his knowledge of where to settle. Like I can mm-hmm. nitpick a little bit of certain things, but he just knows how to find that sweet spot. Quarterback gets him the ball. It's a good ball. Yeah, it's a good player. And keep in mind, I think it's only like six games these these highlights are coming from. Mm-hmm. So as we kind of get to the end of of his highlight reel here. All right, so that is it for the film of Jack Larson. So, Ryan, just kind of overall thoughts and impressions of Jack Larson as a player and his fit here 
uh, at Notre Dame as you kind of transition because that's all that matters, right? Like we can watch kids film and he's a good player, but you know the fit's got to be there. So um, just kind of overall thoughts on him as a player and yeah. what you see from uh, from from Jack Larson. I think the the big thing for me is movable chess piece, right? Like he's a kid that that can play out wide. He's a kid that can play in the slot. He can do some stuff from age. I think he can do some stuff eventually as he fills out like a Tommy Tremble role potentially as a fullback because I think he has enough blocking chops there. So this kid is literally what the what the college game and NFL are both going towards, right? Like this, it's a space driven league. This is a kid that you create space for. Like that's what I see for him, right? right. And he understands how to evaluate, manipulate, and take advantage of that space. So this kid is the modern version of a tight end because I think we have – I mean, for a while we had the Kyle Rudolphs, the John Carlsons, the the Anthony Fasanos, like these bigger versions of tight ends, and now we're kind of moving more towards – because you're always going to have your Cole Komets at times. You're going to have your Michael Mayers. But you talked about Tommy Tremble. We're talking about this body type. We're talking about Kane Barong on the roster as well. There's a role for this smaller H-back movement-based tight ends, and I think that's what you're going to get with the Jack Larson. I think for me, Ryan, when, when I look at Jack, I think there's – I see a kid that's an ascending player, obviously. He's a rising junior. I see a kid that's an athletic kid. I see a kid that really his final prognosis, I don't know if we – like sometimes when you see a sophomore, like, okay, you see C.J. Carr – and, and, and you say, okay, well, this is where I think CJ Carr can improve. And this is, you know, but this is the trajectory his game is on. I think with Jack, it, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of just how his body develops, right? Like, is he a kid that's kind of reached his peak height? Is there a, another growth spurt in him? Because this is what makes evaluating sophomores kind of challenging is there's a lot of kids that kind of between that 16 to 17 kind of, that's one of the two areas where they'll hit a growth spurt, you know, and, and when I look at him, I see a kid with a very young face. I mean, he, he looks like a little kid, right? You know, we see other sophomores that they just look like grownups, you know, even though they're <laughs> sophomores. Uh, this is not one of those kids. This is a kid that when I look at, at Jack Larson, I see a, a, a young man that looks like a young teenager, right? I mean, a kid that, that still has another growth spurt in him. But is that growth spurt this way or just kind of this way? That That's the question, right? So that'll tell us a little bit. But just if we just assume he's just going to be on a normal growth pattern, you know, I think this is a kid that, that brings a lot to the table. And as you, you kept you kept using the term modern tight end and and you talk about the space, the space aspect. I think the modern tight end is not the 6'3, 215. And that's not what you're referring to. It's right. more of the space part. I think that's the emphasis that's important that you were talking about because even Michael Mayer at 6'5, 250 plus is used in space a lot. I mean, that's 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 the the reality of it is you know, football has become very much a, a space game. And I think that's the, the aspect of, of what we see from Jack Larson that he was really good at is he's a guy that can play in space. He's got the route running chops to move around, to do all the different things you can do. He understands how to get open. He has a good feel for the game. He can stretch the field so you can't just sit on him because that's the thing. That's why that speed is important, and, and he's got enough speed to to be a threat because if you're a guy that's just a lumbering 12-yard and in guy, as you kind of work that seam route, they're like, I dare you to try and run the seam route because you can't run by me. I'm going to flip with you and go with you. So they'll, they'll squat on a lot of that stuff. Jack's the kind of kid that if you sit on him and try to take away the intermediate stuff, he's going to run right by you, mm-hmm. and, and he can stretch the field, and that's where those downfield, those downfield ball skills kind of become important. But he's a kid to me – that has the speed to work the seams. He can take the top off of a defense from the seams. If you're trying to come up off play action, 
because he's got two good things. I, I would say he's probably not like a, a burner burner. Like he's not running like a four, six. I don't see that, but I see a, the combination of, he does have a really nice get off. And I mm-hmm. think his, his, his acceleration is good. Yep. I think those things allow him when you can get the top speed quickly, you don't necessarily have to be a four five, four, six guy. You're getting off the line quickly and you're immediately eating up the space of that defender, which is going to force him to make a quicker reaction. Either he sits or he drops or whatever the case may be. And that's how you work yourself open. That's how guys who aren't burners get separation. They usually get into their route quickly. They get onto the defender quickly. And, and I think that that is really a lot of what I like about this kid is, is he gets downfield quickly. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I think brings a nuance to the game. I really felt like he's a, like you watch him even at Irish Invasion, and he had some really impressive catches at Irish Invasion. But I don't talk too much about that because, honestly, Ryan, I don't care. If you can't make impressive catches when there's no one guarding you, um, you're, you're not a Notre Dame caliber guy. But you see it on film. But he's got a real good feel for the game, and I think that's important. When you can have a kid at that young age that can be a just a like a the, the football IQ is also there. It's nice that he's got the athleticism. He's really got great feet and. He's athletic, but man, this is a this kid is a kid that's also really a smart football player, in my opinion. Yep. He's he's what I would call a quarterback's best friend. We yeah. talked about like his ability to read zone coverage, kind of sit down in, in in unoccupied areas, and the hands catcher thing is my biggest thing. So he got to know his future quarterback a lot at Irish Invasion, <laughs> CJ Carr. And I think CJ is probably as happy as anyone, maybe outside of Jack and his family today, that <laughs> he's gonna be Irish, man. Cause I, I just he gives me the vibe, Frank. Because, like you said, he's a good athlete. I think he can stretch the seam a little bit too. I think that he can type the top off in certain situations. But this kid reminds me of a guy that maybe his yards per carry average won't be the highest thing ever because he's just a safety blanket, right? Like I think he's going to mm-hmm. be a volume guy because the quarterback just trusts him. Third yeah. and five, let's sit down in the zone. Third and four, whatever it is, you know, a big money play. Like this is that type of kid for me. Like I, those strong hands and understanding of how to attack space. You're not saying he's only going to do that. You're just saying the fact that he will have so many five to six to seven yard catches because of that will drag down his yards per catch. Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying he is a short yardage guy? No, no, no. What I'm saying is I think that the average might be pulled down a little bit because in the money downs where you need a third and three play action, whatever, just get the ball out quick, sit down on a four yard route. Like that's what this type of player is for me. Like he's that kind of that safety blanket vibe to me. Yeah, I agree. I definitely could see that. And, and, especially when you look at a guy like, you know, CJ Carr and kind of what his game is. CJ has a good high school tight end. He has no problem throwing to a tight end. He also, he also has a lot of good slots. One of the things we praise CJ Carr for was his willingness to throw over the middle. Yep. And that's where you're going to see a, core, a, a tight end be so impactful to that. If you don't trust your tight ends, you are not going to be a quarterback that's going to throw the ball over the middle of the field. You're just, you're just not. And obviously that's a, a big a big part of that. We did have a couple of super chats I wanted to bring up. Well, one I'm going to bring up now because it's about Jack. The other one we'll bring out at, bring up at the end as we kind of as we answer some questions because it's not about Jack Larson, which is fine. I just want to time it up right. Uh, Jason uh, Chilanik says uh, with a super chat. Thank you for that, Jason. By the way, uh, his hands were the first thing I noticed. A slightly longer, more athletic version of former Florida State tight end Nick O'Leary, in my opinion, who had elite hands and was crafty. Ryan, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember Nick O'Leary. Oh, I he do. He is uh, okay because he's. Uh, I believe he was. Um, he's Jack Nickel Nickel Nicholas's grandson, I believe. Yes, correct. Yep. Play, play uh, with Jameis in Florida State. Yeah. Yep. 
I think that's a great example or a great, I mean, that's a really good comp in my opinion, Jason, because I would say that Jack at the similar age is a little bit more of a loose athlete, but the body type is very similar. Uh Nick O'Leary did not have super long arms either like Jack Larson. Uh, He also was not a burner. uh, Then I think Jack is a little bit more fluid than Nick O'Leary was, but from a role standpoint, I, I I think Jason's really on to something. I mean, and, and Nick O'Leary in, in four years at, at Florida State, you know, had 114 catches for 1,500 yards. He caught 12 passes as a freshman, 21 as a sophomore, 33 as a junior, 48 as a senior. And obviously he was splitting catches with a lot of dudes because those Florida State teams uh, spread the ball around pretty good. But I really like that comp when you look at just how you can utilize him uh, his sort of his specific skill set, in my opinion, reminder on that on that 2013 team that that uh, Nick O'Leary was on, where he caught fit 33 passes for 557 yards and seven touchdowns. They also had a thousand yard receiver in Rashad Great Rashad Green. They had a thousand yard receiver in Kelvin Benjamin. They had a receiver Kenny Shaw that had over 900 yards. So that's actually really good production when you consider how many other big time players were catching the ball on that football team. Uh, yeah. but I, I like that comp. I mean, if you're looking for a comp that's outside of Notre Dame's, I think Jason's comp of Nick O'Leary is, is really a good one. And if that's what he turns out to be at Notre Dame, it's a big win. It's a big win because yeah. he was a good football player. Oh man. I, I had a soft spot for Nick O'Leary 35 with no, with no gloves, man. He was a fun time. Yeah. It was a fun time. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the one thing about it is you just mentioned a couple of the guys that got more publicity, obviously Brian, right. Kelvin Benjamin played in the NFL Rashad green played in the NFL they had better stats, obviously, wide receiver to tight end comparison there. But what Nick O'Leary was for that team was the comforts. Like, right. I mean, he was a guy that you could depend on at all times in the red zone, in a crucial situation. Great hands. I mean, Nick mm-hmm. O'Leary had some phenomenal hands, man. I feel like he never dropped anything. So mm-hmm. I, I I think I think the comparison's apt. I think it is. I, I'd say, and you mentioned it already, I think that Jack's a better athlete overall than mm-hmm. a than a Nick O'Leary was, but from a hands perspective, from a body type perspective. Yeah. Jason, I can see that one for sure. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I think when you kind of look at, at you mentioned the security blanket thing, I think we saw that a lot from, from James Winston, especially in 2014, as, as Nick's production jumped up, you saw him like when he'd get in trouble, he'd he'd look for Nick O'Leary. I mean, that's one of the things he would do. So I really like that. I really like that comp from Jason very much. So, yeah. So before we, we're going to have some questions. So if you all have some questions that you want asked or you want us to answer, uh, shoot it now. We've got some that we're going through starring now. We'll, we'll get to a lot of others, but if you have some in, throw them in into the chat. Now we would, we'll answer those here. But before we do that, Ryan, I did want to talk about sort of the what's next aspect of it, because I think this is one of the question marks when you look at where Notre Dame is, is kind of asking around and, and talking to different people, it sounds like Notre Dame is going to be fine right now taking one tight end in this class. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of their objective. And, and to me, we had talked before about the possibility that they would take two and, and that they, you know, the, the, what would happen if they were to take two early on. I think Notre Dame had looked at two as being a, as, as a, a, where they kind of wanted to go. I think they've settled in on, on, on one. I think there's needs at other places right now based on, how the roster is going to shake out. You've got Cam Barong is going into the 2022 season as a redshirt freshman. He's got four years left. Obviously, Olden Stace and Eli Raritan. You've also got Cooper Flanagan committed. 
So I think numbers, they're comfortable with the numbers. Things could change if the roster changes. This is, I mean, again, these are rising juniors. They got two years before they enroll in college, right? So you got time to change course. But this is the guy they did settle in and say, I think this is kind of where they want. So I think what this staff is going to do is kind of keep in touch enough with some of those other guys that if things change over the next few months, let's say there's an injury, let's say something happens, you can quickly turn to somebody. But I don't think that taking a second tight end right now, in my opinion, Ryan, in this particular class, is really a big priority for this Notre Dame staff at this point. Yeah. I think they like Jack, identified Jack, and they said, if we get him, we feel good about what, what we're going to do in this class. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, again, we talked about the fact that he's so different than the rest of the board. Like you said, let's keep in touch with uh, Brady Prescorn or Landon Thomas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what, what – Jonathan Eccles, Collins, Jonathan Eccles, right? It's it's such a good tight end class. It's so good. And all those other guys can all play with a guy like a Jack Larson. They're all just stylistically so different than him. So I agree. I think keeping those options open and as the roster kind of constructs itself and you see how it's, you know, maneuvering and changing over time, then you can kind of see your options of potentially taking a second tight end. And I think that they potentially could down the line, but for now, Jack Larson's their guy, and Jack Larson's a good one. So, I think the other thing aspect of it is I think the fact you mentioned something about Ryan, him being different than the other tight ends in the class. Yep. But I think for Notre Dame, it was more about him being different than the other tight ends on the roster. Sure. And especially the two previous classes, which would be 23 and 22. It's the thing is, Kane Barong's about to be a redshirt freshman, and there's like a four year class difference or three-year class difference between the two of them. It's just it, – it, I, I say this a lot, but it is crazy how this recruiting process is ex, expedited. But when you look at him, I think that is really – when you have a when you have such a great tight end class and guys that you like and guys that like you, you've got to look for some differentiators, right, Ryan? And that is, okay, who maybe is the best fit? You know, who do we think fits in stylistically? Who do we think fits in their game? Who do we think fits with our roster? And who do we think fits at Notre Dame? And I think the fact that he checked all those boxes is really ultimately what allowed made the staff comfortable to, to make the push for Jack is because it's not always about taking the best player. If it's, if it's okay, these are all really good players, but we're zeroing in this guy because the fit in what we're looking for is different, you know? So right. If you sign two hammer running backs in a row, the number one you know player on your board may be another hammer back, but he may not be the guy you want because you need a, a different style of play. And I think when you look at Cooper Flanagan, who is a, I mean Cooper Flanagan is the is the sort of the an, the anti Jack Larson. Right? I mean they are completely different players. Makes them sound Cooper, evil. R- no, no, I didn't say I didn't say that. Um, but he is he is six five. He is growing you know he's 240 already if not bigger he is an inline guy almost you know through and through uh he's a big strong kid who does his best work in a run game who's evolving as a pass catcher Mm -hmm. that's like the opposite of everything we would say about jack Lars. you know not the biggest guy not you know you know ken block but he's more of a pass catcher you move him all around well do you know what that means it means it's going to be a lot easier that someday if those are your number two number one and number two tight ends that you can use them together as a not not in a rotation but together and you can use two identical tight ends together no question but what it does is it, it limits what you can do 
can you can you use two two Cooper Flanagans? Yeah, you can. You're gonna be a really good running team, you know. And and your tight ends are you're gonna be a really good play action team, but your tight ends are gonna be limited. If you line up to where you go and and, and you know you boom out and your tight ends are lining out wide, the other team's not worried about that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, your four nine tight end who's really good doing this is not gonna scare me being lined up out wide. But when you can have Eli Raritan and Holden Stace and Cooper Flanagan and then Jack Larson, it's like, okay, so Cooper can do this really well. Holden's kind of that jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Jack Larson kind of fits that. And then Eli Raritan is sort of like the Tyler Eifert type. Yeah, you can line him up attached. You can handle his business, but he's a guy you want lined up. Why to W? He wants you doing all this. It makes it a lot easier to say, okay, not only can we use these guys as part of rotation, but we can use these guys together and and present a lot of different looks for a defense. Whereas two H back types or two traditional tight end types really limits the different ways that you can attack a defense. And I think that factored in also, I think why Notre Dame targeted him above the others is a lot of really talented players that kind of all fit into that A group. Why Jack Larson? I think he checked the the fit box as a student. I think he checked the fit box as a need as a football player. And then he checks the boxes in regards to talent and upside and all that other stuff. And I think yeah. that helps you understand why did they settle on him? Not settle. Why did they choose him this mm-hmm. early? Why did they not let things play out? I think those are the things that factor into it for me. Yeah, I mean, fit matters, right? So it, it could be as simple as this. Maybe they had three tight ends on the board that they had similar grades on, right? Because you kind of do your film evaluation and you like guys to certain levels. If they have three guys that they like about the same and they wanted more of Jack Larson's type, that's who they're going to zero in on, right? It doesn't mean that they like someone less or more. It means that that is the right fit for them. Mm-hmm. And not only is the fit right for him, everything we heard from Jack Larson during that interview, right? From a spiritual perspective from an academic perspective from an athletic perspective he fits notre dame and what they're looking for and he's also the player the type of player that notre dame is looking for stylistically so i think Mm -hmm. the fit just makes so many different senses in basically every every vantage point that you can look at it just yes he he is what notre dame honed in on he is what notre dame wants in this situation so then the what's next essentially, Ryan, is, okay, stay enough to engage with other 2024 kids. You have plenty of time that if your current roster changes, you can then go on somebody else. Yep. But it also allows Jared Parker to start kind of already taking an early peek during the fall at some of the rising 2025 kids. But you can also, you know, get to the point where you can now be patient because of what you've landed in 22, 22 23, and 24 there's no rush for 25 unless like the next Michael Mayer presents himself early, you know, mm-hmm. like Michael Mayer did. That would be the only reason uh, would be would kind of move it up next. So let's talk, let's talk a little about the class impact, Ryan. Um, yep. when, when you look at the class impact for Jack Larson, this is another big pickup. So now Notre Dame has four players committed in this class. He joins two offensive players. So unlike last year, you don't have like uh, like six, seven defensive players committing before you get your second offensive player. So the offense is stepping up a little bit now. Uh, you've got two offensive players, two defensive players committed. Uh, we we think that they'll add an, at least one more in this class by the end. But it just is another example of Notre Dame really just getting off to great starts because they're not just taking good players. 
they're taking really good players. And I think that Jack Larson fits in that. As I said, I view him as more as like that, you know, somewhere between like 80 to 120 is mm-hmm. probably the range I would have for Jack right now. I don't know where you would rank him, but yeah. you're adding a kid that that is, a, again, a, another really good football player and just another another player in an important region that can help mm-hmm. you with recruiting. Because you now have, if I'm, if I'm maybe forgetting someone, but I believe you now have three high school players in the state of North Carolina committed to you, if you're Notre Dame, correct? Pendleton, yeah. Absher, and now Jack Larson. That's it. Am I yeah. forgetting anybody? That's nope. pretty good. So yeah. if there's other kids in that state, you now have you now have some help. So I think this is a good pickup for Notre Dame. You know, I think I think too. This is a, a as we talked about earlier, and I want to really kind of wrap up with this. I really like the fact that this adds, like th- this is, I think this makes recruiting other positions easier. You have a highly ranked kid, but I think we're also showing the impact of when you when you do have a a big time quarterback that is willing to commit that it can really help your your help you build your roster a little bit faster because I I don't know if he would have committed today if CJ Carr wasn't committed. I don't I don't know that for sure. But yeah. you could just hear things he said after Irish invasion and, and and things he said in response to CJ's decision that if CJ Carr wasn't committed, do I think Notre Dame eventually gets Jack Larson? Yes, I do. I don't I think I think if Notre Dame didn't have a single quarterback committed in 23 or 24 within the next 6 months, I think Jack Larson would have committed Notre Dame. I just think I think it was always going to happen, but mm. what this does is this solidifies it and create and, and eliminates any doubt, but it also expedites it, and I think that's the important thing. And I think that may happen again soon, in my opinion. Did, did you see? Uh, did you see CJ Carr's tweet this morning? Uh-uh. Oh, he didn't. He said mm. it said um, it said something, and I'm paraphrasing here. I'll it look was it like up now. Bit, Big day for at Jack Larson with like a clover or something. I'm like, oh, I wonder where he's going. <laughs> Let me look at it. Let me look at it. Yeah, and then he put man. the uh, the the baby at the hockey game getting all the yeah. Big day today for Jack Larson. Yeah, okay. Pump the brakes, <laughs> like, CJ. Wouldn't be uh, taking the kids' moment. But right, I think that's right. the excitement, though, right? Like when you're a quarterback, 100%. you want to be surrounded by other talented players and. You know, I like the fact that CJ it, it also the fact that CJ and Jack have gotten to know each other so well is further evidence that that they have been top targets for Notre Dame for a long time. Why yeah. else would a kid from Cap, you know, Charlotte Catholic and a kid from Saline, Michigan connect? It's not like they've been to a bunch of camps together, right? I right, mean, right. It, it's because they both have, are top Notre Dame targets, and and CJ Carr is is working to build up that connection. So I think that obviously helps in the situation too. So, yeah. Now, I mean, like I said before, I, I think again, it was the cherry on top was the relationship with with I was a cherry car. Why did I almost say cherry car? CJ Carr Irish invasion. Um, yeah, I don't know what my mind just did there for it's a all good. It's really weird, but yeah, I, I think that that was the cherry on top for CJ Carr's relationship with Jack Larson at the Irish invasion. You saw coming out. I mean, those guys were gleaming. You were there, Brian. Like they were mm-hmm. just. Oh yeah, pals the whole time, oh, yeah. right? So it was that yeah. was it, man. It was they were connected with. at the hip. There was no doubt about it. There's no yep. doubt about it. They were very, <laughs> they were very tight, very tight that entire time. There's no question. So I'm going down here and getting through, uh, just trying to find some more questions uh, from from them. But we do have some, Ryan. Uh, we talked about Kenny Moore's question earlier. 
here's an here's an interesting one. We'll do we'll do some of the the tight end Jack Larson questions first, and then we'll dive into some of the ones that aren't related to those specific topics. But here's an interesting question that I wanted to ask for you, uh, Ryan. Matthew Jackson asks, would y'all compare him to a Brock Bowers from a stylistic perspective? So maybe not. Let me flip because I already know the answer. If we're going to talk about style of style of play, right? I would say no. They're different athletes. Yep. I think the question let's then is saying, would you would you compare them to how you use them in a similar way? Would that be one? Because I, I yeah, I'll let you answer that, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about a usage perspective, sort of. I mean, yeah. Matthew, but we were talking about earlier, we think that this is more like a slot tight end type. Like you can use them outside of points, but it's not going to be kind of his bread and butter. Brock Bowers is literally a kid that they just say, like, go play boundary receiver and you can just stay out there. Like you don't need to move, right? So I, I think that he's a little more of a – Brock Bowers is a little more of a literally can play anywhere on a, yeah. on a formation. Well, I think that there is a role that is best for a Jack Larson, but similar in the fact that they're movement-type players. And I think Brock's a little bit more of a vertically-oriented player than Jack is as well. So I don't know if that would necessarily be – my top comp, I think there's some things, Matthew, that I I could see some I could see where you would say that. I could, especially since Brock is used a lot on the inside. He is play he plays all over, but he uses a lot on the inside. But I think his he's got more length than Jack does at this point in time. And I think that's the thing that gives him a little bit more versatility as a player. So that's why I don't know if I would uh I really like the Nickel Leary one, but but I definitely see where he's coming from here uh, yeah. with this particular particular comp. I I, I, I understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. We got another one here, Ryan, and, and uh, from Alejandro Cornell. Would you say Cooper Flanagan is similar to Cole Komet? Stylistically, yeah. I mean, yeah. They they. I mean, Komet could play in line. Cooper Flanagan's kind of the same. So Cooper Flanagan's a true inline guy where he can do some stuff detached, but for the most part, like he's what you want to put his hand in the dirt, right? Like De La Salle has gotten him very prepared to run block at a high level, work off a of play action, be a little bit of a seam runner, but like his, his frame is what really is the big sell in the passing game. Got a big frame, good hands. That's what I see with him. I think Cole's a little more versatile. Like I think Cole can split out a little bit more than a guy like a Cooper Flanagan. But they are both big body pass catchers that are going to be used more in line than not. I would say there there's a lot of similarities in their body type. Yeah, I think Cole's much more athletic than Cooper Flanagan is. I think there, and I think that here's the interesting thing about Cole. Cole is big, and you'd think a guy that big would be a really good blocker, but he was never a great blocker at Notre Dame. His game was more about catching the football. Well, what you have to understand is up until his senior year, that's pretty much what Cole Komet was. He was a wide receiver. He really filled out kind of in his last year and a half of high school. And that kind of changed how he was used. But he was more of a, you know, he liked to catch the football and do those kind of things. And he was necessarily a natural blocker. And and so I think that is kind of where um, I would say that the similarities – end with their size and some of the things that you can do from a skill set standpoint i think there's some some similarities there but overall uh, i would say i don't know i I wouldn't necessarily compare them as as 
players from a skill set standpoint at this point. I, I think I don't. Do you agree with this, Brian? I think that Cole um, Cooper Flanagan reminds me more of um, his name just popped out of my mind. Who was the? He was a defensive player. Then he moved to tight end. Troy Nicholas. I think mm-hmm. that he reminds me a little bit more of Troy Nicholas than talking about Cooper. Cooper Flanagan. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Just more in that traditional role. I'm gonna call a little audible here, Ryan, because we uh, we're gonna continue through rolling through questions, but we uh, we're gonna bring in a special guest here, and that is uh, the man of the hour here at for uh, let's get it in here. Everybody wants to look at you, Jack, not me. So let's get you in there. This sure. is Jack Larson, everybody. Notre Dame's latest commitment in the 2024 class. Jack, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're just talking about you, basically. So people are asking questions. A lot of excitement about your decision, man. So uh, Notre Dame Nation is certainly happy to have you on board. Sarah, I'm pumped. Well, let's, you know, Jack, we were talking about this and, you know, we kind of gave our opinion, but I want to get your opinion. So uh, first, take us kind of the journey. You had never seemed like you were necessarily in a rush to make a decision. You weren't necessarily going to purposely draw it out, but take us through this last month or two of your process of liking Notre Dame to the point of, okay, this is the move and I'm ready to get this thing over with. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've been up there four times, uh, my latest time, I went up there for the, the Irish Invasion Camp. Uh, got to be able to get coached by, you know, Coach Parker and, uh, you know, talk to Coach Reese, Coach Freeman. And uh, that's really when I knew. Um, you know, I was going to take more time, but, you know, I, I was up there. I felt it. Um, and that's that's really when I knew, you know, this is where I want to be. And uh, I know I want to kick things off. Obviously, Notre Dame's tight ends coach is new. Uh, coach Parker, this is his first year at Notre Dame. How big of an impact did he did, – you talked about that that working out, but what was it specifically about your time together with him these last couple of visits that really made you say, "Hey, you know what? I could see myself being coached by this guy." It's uh, really very like a genuine person, um, you know, uh, very personable, very you know, very good coach. Being able to get coached by him at the camp, um, and um, I could just tell, you know, uh, just a, got to meet his family, you know, great, you know, great family, and um, really just like his whole, you know, approach to football, uh, I really liked and has a ton of experience with, you know, other wide receivers at, at other schools and obviously came from the OC job at West Virginia. So, I mean, ton of experience and just really, really excited. Go ahead, Ryan. Jack, Jack I know that we have, we've been talking a lot about the long line of tradition at tight end at University of Notre Dame, obviously. I know you talked about academics when you were talk when you made your decision, you're talking a lot about the relationships that you've been building with the program there's a great one in the program right now in Michael Mayer. How much have you been able maybe to talk to Michael throughout this process? And what is just being a part of this pipeline of great Notre Dame tight ends moving forward mean to you? Yeah, you know, I, I was able to, you know, watch him practice and kind of watch how he moves and stuff like that. And it's uh, obviously, you know, the tight end room now and, and uh, all the tight ends that have graduated and are in, uh, in the league now and all the ones that are out of the league, it's, the list goes on and, um it's just incredible, you know, that on top of everything else Notre Dame has to offer. Uh, it's very special. As you went through the process, Jack, and you talked about the Irish Invasion weekend was big for you. Was there like a moment where it kind of hit you? Was it you and your family sitting down? What was that kind of that moment where you're like, you know what, like this is when it happened. This is when I knew, you know, was it when you were catching a corner route in the end zone, <laughs> like, you know, uh, in the in, at Irish Invasion? When was it that you kind of really knew like, okay, yeah, this is this is the place. I know we talked earlier about the process, but was there a specific moment that it really hit you? 
if I'm being honest, it was when we were down at the grotto. Uh, I was there with my dad and it was just, uh, you know, it was quiet and it was, uh, you know, it was just, it was just, I just kind of felt it. And it's, just, it's special. And uh, that's kind of, it's kind of what I knew. Was there a, when you made that decision, was there a relief? Did you feel like, okay, you know, you said you've enjoyed the recruiting process, you know, getting all these schools, you've been all over the place, but is there sort of a relief for you to kind of like to have this over with and now you can focus on, like you said in the in the the thing today, you know, now I can focus on going out winning the state championship and improving my game and doing those type of things. Was there like kind of a relief for you when this was when this was decided and you're able to make get this done with? No, for sure. I mean, I, I feel a huge, uh, huge relief. And um, yeah, like, it's like recruiting was great and being able to go all these places, but you know, it definitely gets to a point where, you know, all these visits start to, you know, take a toll and it's, it gets to a point where, you know, I feel like you know where you want to be and I, uh, you know, Notre Dame's exactly where I want to go. So, Jack, I know we talked a little bit about the Irish invasion, obviously, where everything kind of just, I called it maybe the cherry on top for you, right? It was like, okay, this is, this is kind of the, the move right here. But you were able to work out a little bit with the future quarterback of Notre Dame while you were there as well, of course, um, with Mr. C.J. Carr out of the state of Michigan. So can you give us a little preview for the Notre Dame fans out there? How 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 good of a player is C.J. Carr, and how excited are you to be on the receiving end, potentially in the long term with him, man? Yeah, I mean, he's a beast. Uh, I, I don't see him miss uh, many throws, if not any, at the at the camp, um, put, putting everything on the money and just say uh, – you know, it seems like a great, uh, he's a great person. Uh, obviously, a great football player. I'm, I'm super excited. You know, for the future, uh, what it has to has to offer. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be special. Jack, how does specifically about CJ or just quarterback in general? You can take it however you want, but obviously, you're a pass catcher, right? I mean, you're gonna block and you do all those type of things, but you're also a pass catcher. How important is it for you to be able to look at a program like Notre Dame, whether it be the 23 or 24 class, and know that, hey, there is a quarterback that I think can be a high-level player that can get me the football? Does that factor in? You know, did that factor in at all to, to your ultimate decision, or, or was it was it more to it than that? I mean, for sure. Obviously, you know, being a receiver or receiving threat, you know, you want to have a, a quarterback that's going to be able to get you the ball. Um you know, it didn't, you know, completely decide my decision uh, just because, you know, Notre Dame you know, has to offer. But uh, I, I think, you know, CJ, you know, committing definitely added to, uh, you know, the appealing factor of Notre Dame. When you look at your game, let, let, let's see if you may not be comfortable with this. We'll find out. But because uh, we'll, we'll give our opinions of it. But when you look at your game. And you say, okay, this is what I know I can do. This is how my game is evolving. I look at Notre Dame. I know they've watched film with you and showed you film. How do you see your game specifically translating to Notre Dame offense? What are your strengths? What are the things you think you add to what Notre Dame's doing with the tight end position? I mean, the production's one thing, but there's also the specific fit of how they utilize tight ends compared to maybe how you know Clemson, Michigan, all those teams like to use the tight end and have had good tight ends, but they all go about it differently. How did you see your specific fit of your skill set into the Notre Dame offense? Uh, I would say just, uh, you know, my route running ability, um, you know, catch radius, uh, probably myself on, you know, no drops, trying to, not trying to drop the ball. Um, you know, I could also, you know, get down and block if I need to. Um, you know, really just, you know, trying to be a complete tight end and not leave anything out, um, you know, that's how it needs to be able to do. 
I know you got a lot going on, Jack, and you want to go celebrate your family. So I'm going to ask you one one last question. Obviously, recruiting is now. You said you said during the in, during the, the announcement that your recruitment is over. It's now focusing on the team. So you're getting her here end of June. Uh, you've got two full seasons left of high school football. As you look at your game and your ability to help your football team, what are the parts of your game that you say, hey? Obviously, you work on your whole game, but what are the aspects you say, I'm going to continue to improve this part of my game to help my football team be even more successful and then also translate to what you're going to do at the next level? What are the things that you focus on saying, this is where I'm really trying to take my game to another level? Uh, I would say, um, you know, finishing all my blocks, you know, just, you know, block after block, uh, becoming like a very efficient blocker. Um, and then definitely um, – you know, just getting in and out of my breaks, you know, as quick as possible, trying to get as, you know, quick and uh, nimble as I can, um, you know, before the next level, probably the two, two major things. Well, Jack, we're going to let you roll. I know that you can't see them because you're in the chat a little bit differently, but there are a lot of excited Notre Dame fans to have you on board. So congratulations on on your decision and on uh, something that you seem to be excited about. And I know that Notre Dame fans are, are obviously excited as well. Is there anything you'd like to to leave them with as you as you get ready to head back to your family and, and celebrate this uh, this big day for you? Hey, go Irish. Let's get this thing started. Hey, and by the way, smart decision to do on a Friday. So you can kind of take the whole yeah, – <laughs> you don't yeah. have to go to school tomorrow. You can get, have the whole sure. weekend to celebrate with your family. So congratulations, Jack, and thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jack. Yes, sir. All right. So that is Jack Larson, everybody. We got a chance to get him. Uh, sorry about getting him on so late. But, hey, you know what? He's the man of the hour. He can come on whenever he wants to, Ryan. You know what I mean? Exactly. So um, we appreciate Jack joining the show. Certainly, we do have some more questions, Ryan, that I want to continue knocking these out. We were talking a little bit about Cooper Flanagan and and his comparison. I do, I think, as far as role, I think the Troy Nicholas comparison mm-hmm. is a really good one. You yeah. know, where you know Troy was not a burner at no. all, but if you look at his yards per catch, he was one of the better yards per catch guys that Notre Dame had. It was lower volume. But because he was so big, he could just kind of work the seams and, and catch a pass right down the middle of the seams. And, you know, you look at his production in, in 2000, uh, it was a 2013, right, after after Tyler Eifert left. You know, Troy Nicholas averaged 15.6 yards per catch. You know, Tyler okay. Eifert the year before was 13.7, and the year before that was 12.8. You know, Michael Mayer's been 11.8 and 10.7. Well, I don't think Troy Nicholas is the athlete those guys were, you know, I mean, as far as the elusiveness. But – it's a big, tall kid who could do some things, and I think that's a that's a fair comp. But early in his career, Troy Nichols was a blocker. I mean, that's what yep. he was brought in for, and he was recruited. Some people listen to him as an offensive lineman, and it's funny. He was recruited as a defensive end at Notre Dame, outside linebacker. He ended up playing that that cat position, I think is what it was, mm-hmm. where it was like his one start on defense was actually in the Kerry Neal position that had to play in the slot, which I thought was odd. Hysterical, uh, but hey, that's what the Notre Dame staff did, and it is what it is. So you know, those guys were were a little, uh, you know, we'll, we'll move on. So I think uh, I think that uh, I think that's a good comparison, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Here's an interesting one from Bobby S. Who is the better tight end prospect in your opinion, Larson or Flanagan? Do we take a second in 2024? We've already addressed the second part about yeah. second. I think right now that's not the target. But I, I do think this is an interesting one. For me, briefly, Ryan, it's Jack Larson. I have him graded out higher than Cooper Flanagan. Yeah, no, I think Jack is 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 the better player. It's just really tough for me because they're just so, so different, right? Like, mm-hmm. I almost want to break these guys up and say, like, you know, Flanagan's your traditional in line and then Larson's more of your detached guy. Like, I want to grade them differently because they would grade 
depending on where they graded out in certain areas, would be better at that one spot versus the other. But I would say in a vacuum, Larson's a better prospect for me. I think that he has higher upside, obviously, as a pass receiver. I like Flanagan, though. I think both of those Mm -hmm. guys, specifically that you just mentioned there, they could work together really yes, well. Yes, really nice compliment. Flanagan in line, in line, and then Larson is that H-back movement guy. That could be a really nice pairing in down the line. I, I think it's almost like comparing Rodney Gallagher to, like, Braylon James, right? Like, yeah, they both play receiver, but they bring so much different things to the table or pro- projecting uh, – comparing Rodney Gallagher or a Micah Tease to Tobias Merriweather. It's mm-hmm. almost like a completely different position, and it's like, well – what's your need if you need a guy to be a if you if your need is a big physical inline blocker then guess what jack cooper flanagan's going to be the better player for you here if you're looking for something who's more of an all-around player then jack larson becomes the player you're going to look for uh so i agree with you ryan it depends on what your need is Mm -hmm. in the different classes but if we're talking about just where would they rank on a top 250 jack larson would rank higher for me Uh, not by a ton but he would rank higher for me for sure like i said he's 80 to 120 Cooper Flanagan for me is more, you know, I'm actually going to go look where I have him. I, I think because he was for a little while there, my number two ranked player in the Notre Dame class on offense. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I, I'm just kind of pulling him up here real quick, see what my grade is for him. I have him down as a top 200 caliber player. So that was kind of what I was going to say is like That's that fair. 150 to 200 area is where I see Cooper projecting as a player. good football player. But just yeah. you just know what you're bringing him in for. Right. And I think. I think that's also where that Nicholas comparison is good. He's more Ben Koyak and Troy Nicholas from a production standpoint, 30 catches if he's a starter, than he would be a Tyler Eifert, a Michael Mayer, Kyle Rudolph kind of guy. It's fair. From a production standpoint. And a couple comments about this. James Burlington says, uh, we keep stealing recruits from Clemson. I, you know, Not all of them, but I, we can't stress enough how important it is mm-hmm. that – Notre Dame continue to not only land good players, but land good players away from Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, you know, Georgia. That's that's a big part of this, too. And Jack Larson did have an Alabama offer. I think that's way too early for Alabama to be making. This. Alabama is usually much later when it comes to putting their classes together than everybody else. Did have an Alabama offer, did have a Florida offer. But being able to take a Carolinas kid out of uh, away from Clemson, to me, is a really big deal in my opinion. Agreed. So, um, and then obviously he would be the other two offensive linemen, Jalen Sneed. The care, the success in the Carolina is one of the questions we'll get to next year. And I'm going to kind of go do a little bit of research on this as we're talking. It was up here. Where is it at? Zach Martin asks, how does Notre Dame's haul from the Carolinas the last couple cycles compare to Brian Kelly's classes? Interesting. So if you look at 22 to 23, um, you know, that's a, that's a really good, a really good question. I'm, I'm going to kind of look it up here. If you kind of go back to Brian Kelly's early tenures, he signed two kids from North Carolina in his first year, none from South Carolina. Um, if you look at the next year, two more from North Carolina, none from South Carolina. So four in two years, it's decent. Two more the next year. Here, here's who they were. Prince Shembo, Kendall Moore, the, Kendall Moore the first year. Ben Council, Matthias Farley the next year. Nobody from South Carolina. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. There was one, Ever Golson. Was, so five in two years. So similar, 2012, two, two from North Carolina. Mark Harrell, who was from Charlotte Catholic, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Romeo Guara, who was from Ardrickell. None the next year. This is where it got a little thinner. None in 2013. 
They got Greer Martini in 2014. He was from North Carolina, but he played high school football in Virginia. He's actually mm-hmm. from North Carolina. Wood, uh, Woodbury Forest, where we went to high school, is a boarding school. So he was not actually from Virginia. He was from North Carolina, but he played high school football in, in Virginia. None in none from the Carolinas in 2015. So you started to see it thin out, right? Only one in 2016. That was Julian Aquara, who they got primarily because he was the brother. They also got Troy Pride from South Carolina. And then the next year, it was just Jonathan Doerr was the only Carolinas kid. The next year, it was Jameer Smith was the only kid from the Carolinas that they got. Then the next year is Osita Ekwanu was the only kid from the Carolinas that they got. They got nobody in the 2020 class from the Carolinas. I'm looking through this. Uh, nobody in the 2021 class from the Carolinas, if I'm saying this correctly. Yeah, so they kind of went away from it a, a little bit, Ryan. And and then, of course, recently, they 2022, they got Bryce McPherson, the punter, was from uh, North Carolina, and then Jalen Sneed from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. This current cycle, they have two more kids committed from North Carolina and then Jack Larson. So they're getting back to where it was early in Kelly's tenure. And I think that's smart because think about some of the guys they got from the Carolinas. Prince Jumbo was a really good football player. Um, maybe not the greatest guy. Ben Council was a really highly rated guy. Matthias Farley played a lot of football for Notre Dame. Romeo Aguaro is a very good player for Notre Dame. Mark Harrell was a really key member of the Irish line rotation. I mean, some of the guys, they, they didn't get a lot, but the guys they got were – were really good football players. Ever Goldson, obviously from South Carolina, was a mm-hmm. pretty good football player for Notre Dame. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was pretty decent. I think this is an area we talked. We were asked a question about this earlier, Ryan, during the earlier show. Yep, an area where you'd like to see Notre Dame recruit more. I think the Carolinas is one that I'm glad to see this staff putting more emphasis on. Agreed. There's no question about. It. There's some good football there, and there are states that are a little easier to take kids from. With all due respect. Notre Dame's a little different than North Carolina and NC State when they're good. Let's be honest. You know, it's different than recruiting kids from Georgia against Georgia or kids from Florida against Miami, Florida, Florida State, or kids from Bama. You know, I mean, just the list goes on. It's a little bit easier. You know, a little harder in South Carolina with Clemson, but, you know, you get a couple chances to beat them here coming up. So um, re- really, really good questions. I'm see here. Uh, Jonathan Gar- Ga- uh, Gabrick, thank you for the super chat. Great gift for Notre Dame. Love the relentless recruiting. I haven't been this excited for a season in a while. Prayers to Price, but he'll bounce back. Obviously, Jadarian Price, who injured. Thank you so much for that super chat, by the way, Jonathan. And you're not alone, man. There's a lot of people excited about the direction this is going. And it's okay I, to be excited. It's it okay. Is, it is okay. It's actually welcomed. ICURN uh, with Irish Luck in, uh, with a super chat. Thank you for that. In reference to Tremble, would you guys say not the straight line speed of Tommy, but would you say he's a better overall athlete? I, I don't think he – no, I think they're different. I actually think Tommy Trumbull was a really athletic kid. He was. I think Tommy Trumbull was extremely athletic, actually. I think Tommy Trumbull's thing was he just wasn't necessarily a natural football player. Mm-hmm. I think that is more of what my of what my issue would be with Tommy Trumbull is I just again, I just don't think he was a really natural football player, Ryan. And yeah. I think that kind of he, you know, he he had good hands at times, but then he'd he'd have drops where you're like, Dude, how did how did you drop that? Like, come yeah, on, the, you got there make was that some catch. there were some troubling drops on his film. I, I think that that's the biggest thing for me is I think that Tommy's a better athlete than a Jack Larson, but Jack Larson's ball skills I think are just better, strong hands, mm-hmm. just consistency in that department. But then I mean, Tommy obviously developed into a really good blocker, right? So right, which is yeah, more, I agree. yeah, 
can be more about other traits than just natural instincts as a football player. Yeah, sure. But I also think the Notre Dame staff never actually used him the way that they should have, to be completely honest with you. I never felt that he was maximized to the level they should, but part of it was on him. I'm going to need to get into that too much right now. But, I mean, yeah. you're, you're, it wasn't just the 40 time for Tommy Trumbull, though, that was that, that graded out well for him, Ryan. I mean, he had some other – he had some yeah. other aspects of it too. I mean, 36 and a half inch vertical jump, you know, 10 2 broad. Those are pretty explosive numbers for a 240 plus pound kid. He was a really good opinion. athlete. Really yeah. good athlete. Yep. I would say Jack is a little bit more smooth mm-hmm. of an athlete, a little bit more fluid. And then, of course, the overall athleticism is much better. More smooth than, than explosive. Yeah, right. I would agree. Right. So, different types of players. So you could can maybe count that as athleticism. I mean, you know, for depending on what we're talking about, I'd say Tommy's more athletic. Jack's a little bit more smooth, so uh, they're definitely different kind of players. Bobby Esk asks, is Cooper Flanagan a better prospect than Mac Markway, in your opinion? Does he actually have the potential to play here with all the type tight ends that we have? Uh, yes and yes is my answer. To that. Yes, he's definitely better than Mac Markway. I don't know if you've had a chance to see Mac Markway, Ryan. Mm-mm. He's the tight end at DeSmet Jesuit. He is a he is a blocker. Uh, I I'm totally fine with the decision for Notre Dame to go with Cooper Flanagan over Mac Markway. I think that was absolutely the smart decision. That's exactly the right decision. Um, I know he's highly ranked, but I never, I never saw that. I mean, I never saw that. I think he called like five passes last year. Is he related to Kyle Markway that went to South Carolina? Don't know. Tight ends? I don't know. Is he from St. Louis? I don't know. I can check. If he's from St. Louis to Smet Jesuit, then I'm going to go ahead and say yes. (laughs) I'll I'll look it up. but, But other than that, I do not know the answer to that but yeah you'll have to, i'll ask you to watch his film tonight ryan when you get done i think okay. that was a very interesting i because i i never understood the high ranking for him uh and can cooper flanagan play at notre dame yeah i think so yes uh, will, yeah. will it be hard yeah it's hard for any tight end that comes to notre dame but absolutely absolutely because again he also you got to remember he brings a very unique skill set to where and that's where i like the comparison if if he is your fifth best pass catcher he can still get on the field because he's going to be your best blocker. And so that alone is going to give him a chance to go get on the field in a rotation, Ryan. And it's because as we've shown in the past, Notre Dame's number two and number three tight end are usually not guys that are out running routes. They're guys that are blocking. Now I would like to see that change, but based on what they've done, um, that's kind of where they are. And Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Markway's St. John Vianney in St. Louis. Okay. So they may be related, whether they're brothers or, or cousins, I would imagine. So Catholic schools and, uh, or Jesuit schools, I should say, in uh, in the St. Louis area. So imagine there would be some mm-hmm. some overlap there. Ian Johnson asks, if they only take one this cycle, and in 2024, what does Jared Parker do? Does he ant- participate in wide receiver recruiting? Uh, only if Chancey Stuckney and Tommy Reese ask him to. Although we saw certain regions that they'll he'll he'll be a part of. Um, we who was it the other day that I read he was talking to? Um, there was. Some, I'm trying to remember, you know, there's another was, recruiter that said he was talking to him. It was like a random one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. I think it might have even been a defensive player or something like that. But like, it, it might, know, so it may have been. Yeah, there'll be certain regions, you know, where you may have a guy help out if he's got a connection, if he knows a staff member. But I imagine he'll be involved with just offensive kids, just talking to receivers. But it's always kind of through the the relationship. I mean, through the the plan that you have with the whole staff. Hey, you know what? Tommy called this guy Monday. Dylan's going to call him on Tuesday. Jared, you call him on Wednesday. You know, that part of thing. It won't be necessary that he'll take a recruitment over, but he'll give an assist, especially if it's something that that the other co- that the other coaches may ask him for. I think that's smart recruiting. 
The other thing he'll do is, you know, continue. Look, since you don't have to really worry about anything else, I would say the smart thing to do is continue to keep that relationship going with the other 23 and 24 kids. You never know. I mean, you never know what may happen. What if a kid decides to decommit? What if a kid gets injured? What if your current roster shakes out in a way where you're like, you know what? We need another tight end. You better hope that you don't bail on those kids because then you won't have a shot at getting them. So that would be my biggest thing, Ryan, is that mm-hmm. plus getting an early look at 2025 kids, although that wouldn't necessarily be at the top priority for me. Yep. I agree. To, to be honest with you, I'd say it's a little, especially tight end, it's a little early for me to, to care too much about. Uh, Unless he wants to uh, get a good relationship with Bryce Underwood going, then we'll there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> give an assist on that 2025 player. <laughs> right. There's no, there's no doubt about that. So, I think we did get a couple super chats down here. I want to bring up here from Patrick Barnes. I haven't seen you in a while, Patrick. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for another great pro- podcast while at work. Love the show as always. We appreciate that very, very, very much, very much. So, Ryan, I think that's going to do it for tonight's show. I just want to make sure we don't have any other super chats here before we get going. Make sure I didn't miss anybody. I think I got everybody's super chat. Always feel bad when... I always feel bad when we leave any questions unanswered, but the reality is is if we answered every question, every show would be like four or five hours long, which we love because it just means people want to engage with us. And we definitely support that. And most the 99.9% of the people understand that we can't get to every, can't get to every question. So I think that's going to do it. So as Matt D said, make sure that you hit that like button, hit that like button, uh, hit the subscribe button, hit that share button, share this podcast with people that you know, hit the notification bell so you, bell so you never miss Irish Breakdown when we go live. Uh, subscribe to Irish Breakdown by going to boards.irishbreakdown.com. We've got tons of great merch on the shot in the store. Obviously, we have a relationship with Built Bar, best protein bars. I absolutely love these things. I've said it a million times. If you click on the link below in the description, you can get and use that code, promo code. You can get 10% off your entire purchase. So uh, continue going along this path with us. So Jack Larson is committed to Notre Dame, Ryan. Number four for Notre Dame. This is a big one. Um, very, I think this is a pickup that the Notre Dame staff, I believe, is very excited about. I know C.J. Carr is very excited about it. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And most importantly, um, I think Jack Larson's pretty excited about it. So, you know, um, that's a, a big one. Wilchus Sanic said, oh, we did have a super chat that we didn't get to. There was one. Um, it was the one about Micah Bell. That's what we didn't get to. I am so sorry. So we are not done yet. You know what I'm talking about, Ryan? I think I accidentally clicked off of it, and I didn't mean to. I'll, I'll uh, try to find it. Here it is from Nate Golino with a super chat. Thank you, Nate. I almost missed your super chat, Nate. I am very sorry. So we are going to – little impromptu final. It's like, I feel like this is like the encore, right? We're going to leave, and then we had to come back. Do you guys think Micah Christian Gray and Micah Bell and Micah Tease could turn into a Ringo or Sertan or any other top DBs around the country? I'll let you take first crack at that, Ryan. So we're talking about the, the 2023 kids. I would like to say that right now Notre Dame is recruiting Micah Tease to be an offensive player as of right now. Yeah, so why don't I throw my I throw Christian Gray into this conversation too? So we'll talk Micah Bell and Christian Gray. I it's a little tough. I mean, because you're comparing Ringo is 6'1", 6'2", somewhere in that ballpark. Tra- Patrick Sertan Jr. was also six foot two, So there are a lot of different body types than like a Micah Bell, for instance. But to answer the question, yeah, I think that he could be – I think that Micah Bell and Christian Gray could develop into two better corners in college football. Yeah, sure. I, I don't see why not. Especially Micah Bell is a guy that I think just has tremendous upside, man. He's he's going to be different than the guys that you mis- uh, mentioned. 
but he's going to bring some dynamic traits to the table. So, yeah, I think they both have extreme uh, developmental potential at corner. I think Micah Bell would be the one I would be more comfortable right now throwing to that category just because he does have the elite skill set. But I've said this before about Christian Gray. Mm-hmm. He has he has reported to have ran a 4-4-1 and a 4-4-2 at the Ohio State camp last summer. If that's accurate, because at times in high school, it's hard to tell. He plays in a league that doesn't throw the ball a ton. Yep. He plays in a league where, to be honest with you, there's some good athletes. I mean, he plays against Jeremiah Love, Jeremiah McClellan, but there's just not a lot of guys that are his athletic level. If he is a legit 4-4-1 at six foot plus with really long arms and really smooth athleticism, then my opinion of him goes way up. Uh, and it's just sometimes it can be hard to tell with corners just how fast they are especially if they're in areas that don't throw the ball time, because you just don't see that long speed get tested a whole lot, Ryan. And so, but I know the Notre Dame staff loves Christian Gray, and they think he can be that kind of guy. But the thing, the reason I point to him is because if you're going to just kind of go for a, 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 a comp that is, you know, similar in style where, you know, when you say other top DBs, that's more broad. But if we're going to get specifically into Keeley, Ringo, and Patrick Sertan, those are big guys. Those are six-foot-plus guys. Micah Bell's not that. Micah Bell's more of, like you mentioned the other day, the Denzel Ward type, right? Like that really dynamic speed athleticism guy. Whereas Christian Gray is six-foot-plus, really long arms, you know, boundary guy that brings some of those things to the table. It those, But those things, those guys could flat-out run. And that's the thing that I don't know yet about Micah Gray or Christian Gray. He's a very good football player, top 100 to 150 guy easily. If the speed is what it's reported, then yes, he is a guy to me that could then jump into that to that category, Ryan. No question mm-hmm. about it. Because we both agree that Micah Bell has that upside. Oh, yeah. Right? Now, the speed is what keeps me from putting Christian. I mean, Christian Gray is a much more natural football player. He's got great feet. He's got really loose hips. He's got great length, really smart player. It's just the speed. And at corner, that's a position where that's a little bit more important than receiver or running back or, you know, some other positions. It just, that's one where you need to see that to be an elite player. You have to, you don't see a lot of four, six corners that are elite the exceptions to that are guys like Richard Sherman, who and and who was the guy that played with him in Seattle, the six four kid Browner. Um, yeah, but they're huge. Yeah, and Christian Gray's not six three; he's six foot, maybe six one. Browner was like six four. I mean, yeah, huge. He was massive. So those are the exceptions, not the rule. And yep. so that's why I would say uh, that would that's why that's the only concern I have about Christian Gray. But if I but if his speed is legit and he can play that way in college, he jumps into that category. And along the same lines, we'll kind of finish up with this question from Will Chesanek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a question about 2024 corners, Ryan. Let me get to it here real quick. Yep. It was – here we go. My question is, do you know any top 50 to 100 corners that Notre Dame is targeting for 2024? Uh, Ryan, you know of a lot of them if you want to go ahead and start talking about a few of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the top guy that you probably want to start with, I, I don't know if you would start with him, Brian, but uh, Ellis Robinson kid that's out of IMG Academy. I know he's amongst one of the top guys. I mean, IMG just has a, a crazy talented list overall. I mean, if you well, if you want to go check out just IMG's defensive backfield, man, they uh, they have Ellis Robinson. They got uh, the Hicks kid that's the top number one player, I think, according to 24-7 sports, if I remember correctly, when I was taking a look at that. But I mean, if we're talking corners in that class, you're going to be talking 
about guys like Emilio Agard, who's actually on campus now. He's a Pennsylvania kid. He plays at um, St. Joe's Prep in Pennsylvania. Caleb Beasley's a talent. That's the guy where that's State where Penn I would State. start. That's where yeah, I would start. You would start Caleb. Oh, you saw Caleb Beasley in, in right. person. So right. Well, also because I think that's the kid I think of that group they right now have the best shot at. That's fair. Also, but to me, he's a he's a top fifty player to me. Uh, that's fair. No question. So it's more the fit and the interest yeah. that is why I would start with him. He's um, long too. He's like yes. six foot six he's one, but he's got thicker. vines. Yeah, yeah he's a yeah. thicker kid too. So that that's why I would start with Caleb Beasley. But there's no there's yeah. no problem starting where you started. Mike Matthews is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a kid from Georgia that likes Notre Dame a lot. That is 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 Notre Dame likes him a lot. Uh, Eli Bowen. Mockway. Yeah, Eli yeah. Bowen. Eli yeah. Bowen. I wouldn't know if I'd put him in the top fifty to hundred yet, just because of right. the size. But if you take, oh, I forgot that you asked top fifty to hundred. Yeah, if you take like, size out of the equation and just talk about yeah. football players and and take mm-hmm. away grade, right? Take away yeah. grade and rank. Because mm-hmm. when you talk about grade, there's some projection about tools. It's kind of like the draft, right? Like the NFL yep. draft isn't like you take the best player first and the second best player second. There's projection involved. And, you know, like, for example, the the who picked first? It was the Jaguars, correct? And they picked first again. Yes. They yep. didn't take Trayvon, Trayvon Walker. Walker because they thought he was the best player in the draft. They think that he is going to be the best player from the draft. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And, and so – you know, there's projection and, and Eli Bowen is always going to be hurt by the projection because he's small. But yeah. if you take that out of the equation, he's one of the best football players in the class. Agreed. And that kid is an outstanding football player. Mm-hmm. And that's why he can bring some value to you. But I, I don't know if he'd be in that top 50 to hundred category. No. Jalen Mbakwe no. is, he's a big time player. He likes Notre Dame a lot. He released a top 10 recently that included Notre Dame. He's talked about getting up on campus. I need to see that first. I need to see him get on campus first. But Jalen Bakwe is a name to know. Mike Matthews is a name to know. Uh, Caleb Beasley is a name to know. And as Ryan said, Emilio Agar Agard is also another name to know. And I look at him. You're talking about a kid from Pennsylvania. You know, they yep. should be able to have a shot there. Caleb Beasley from Tennessee. They need to be able to have a shot there. Uh, I think those guys especially have a shot with. I always get a little bit nervous. I mean, I know Jalen Bakwe likes Notre Dame a lot. The relationship with Mike Mickens is strong. Blah 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 blah. But he's from Alabama. He's an Alabama kid. Yeah. You know, and Alabama <laughs> right. wants him, right? So I mean. Yeah, if they couldn't get AJ Harris out of Alabama, I'm not going to believe they get a kid out of Alabama until they actually get one. I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. With I'm just going to be honest with everybody, um, they're going to do their best and they need to do their best. But that's just kind of where I'm at with uh, that's just kind of where I'm at with that one, Ryan. Is I just need to I need to see it first. That's so, uh, but that's a group of corners. That's a list of corners. I mean, and, and the thing I love is that they are on some really big time players. I mean, they, yeah, they really are. And and if you're able to lock things down now with Bell and Gray which Notre Dame's hoping to do on July 1st and July 4th, then that gives Mike Mickens a chance to really push on closing out with Josiah Wagner because then he can put all his effort on Josiah Wagner. But then it's like, okay, now you really ramp things up on the 2024 kids. You know, now Caleb Beasley becomes your number one priority. You know, now Emilio Agard becomes a number one priority. Now Jalen Mbakwe, because that's the only chance you're going to have is that you've recruited him harder for a year than Alabama did. I mean, that's the only chance you're going to have with a kid like that. And so I think that's another reason why it's really good to finish as early as they are at Notre Dame. Notre Dame has to start. If Notre Dame's ever going to get a number one class in the next five years, it's going to have to be because they got so far ahead early that no one could catch them. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe if they win a Tyler or so, they can then get to be, be like Bama where they kind of, okay, we're ready to go now and go start picking and choosing players and flip guys and all that. But Alabama needed multiple titles to get to that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it takes time to get there. They're not right. there yet. They got to get these kids early, which means the way to get these kids, Ryan, is to get on them before everybody else. 
that's something the previous staff never quite understood that this staff definitely understands is you can't wait till Jalen Mbakwe's, you know, a junior and going into a senior year to get involved. If you're going to have a shot, you got to get on them now. And the good news is they did. Same with Caleb Beasley, same with Omelia Agard, a guy who at the beginning of summer wasn't talking about visiting Notre Dame. He had a, yep. he came out with a tweet about all the schools going to go visit. Notre Dame wasn't on there. Now he's on campus and he's talking about how he loves the place. That's what you got to do. Just got to stay on them, keep recruiting them, and that's going to be the key. All right, so that's going to be it, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining the show. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. We'll be back probably tomorrow. There's a chance we may have to cancel tomorrow's show. We'll let you know. We may have to start later. We'll have to figure it all out. I'll let you all know uh, what tomorrow's show is going to look like. But that's why you need to stay locked into the channel, and we'll let you know what's going on. So thanks for being with us for both shows today. Great audience, great crowd tonight. Tons of great questions. We appreciate you all very much. Now we're going to go get dinner and, and then get back to work. So. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining us in the Irish Breakdown Podcast.